Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Episode 254, How to Save Money on Health Insurance and Open Enrollment Explained with Eileen Doherty. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And today we are bringing you one of the most exciting episodes we've ever done. That's right health insurance, specifically open enrollment, because for many of our listeners in the U.S., open enrollment starts today. Ooh, Mm -hmm. we're on the edge of our seats, but make sure you're sitting down because like Jen said, super hot topic. Especially if you're driving, please sit down. (laughs) Yes. But seriously, so glad to be talking with Eileen because this is an area that is so confusing and we could do well to be wise with how we're spending in this category. I, I mean, for most of us, I think we mentioned it in this episode, it's it's a high ticket line item mm-hmm. in our expenses, you know, housing, transportation, food, and health insurance. Like those are our top expenses any given month and and certainly annually. Not just the health insurance, but then the costs of health care above and beyond health insurance. So there's just so much to be considering. And Eileen really helps break it down into some really bite-sized pieces of what we can be thinking about when it comes to the type of health insurance that we choose. Yeah. And we hear so much on the internet, you know, pay attention to your groceries, pay attention to your coupons and your rebate apps and yada, yada. When we talk about cutting expenses here on the Frugal Friends podcast, we look at it as an 80-20 view. So let's focus on the 20% of our expenses that get us 80% of our results. Instead of the small latte purchases, we're looking at our big multi-thousand dollar purchases. And health insurance is one of those. So we hope that you really are excited for this episode because it will save you tens of, it could save you tens of thousands of dollars over your lifetime, way more than cutting lattes. Mm, That's no joke. But first, our sponsors. 
Today's sponsor is brought to us by Best Case Scenarios. They're doing a hard push to remind the general public that they still exist. When Jen and I had our intro call with them, we did sense a tinge of bitterness regarding how much attention worst case scenarios get. And best case scenarios aren't promising that it will always pan out that way, but they do want us to consider them. Best case scenarios, avoiding catastrophes, de-escalating that situation, and championing that dream job. Also, best case scenarios are strong supporters of high-yield savings accounts. You can connect the dots as to why that might be. If you're here for best case scenarios, check out CIT Bank's high-yield savings account at frugalfriendspodcast.com slash CIT. They're currently offering 2.7% APY on high yield savings accounts, best case scenarios, here for all the best case things. Love that. Thank you, best case scenarios. What an underrated scenario. So if you are super interested in health uh, care, we actually have some other episodes to queue up that are just as exciting as this one. So the uh, first one, is one we recently did, which I think is super important that everyone should listen to sometime in their life sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. Episode 230. So that is how to negotiate medical bills. Uh, We did with Dr. Virgie Ellington. She is a doctor and patient care advocate. And so she I mean, we go step by step how to negotiate medical bills. And then we also touch on medical debt as well. But really, really good episode, because if you have to use health insurance, you're going to have bills, too. And maybe you think you can't negotiate them because you have health insurance. But that is untrue. Uh, So and then also uh, episode 12, how to save money on health care. Uh, we talk a little bit about everything. So not just insurance, but also healthcare sharing, preventative care that counts, stuff like that. So that's way back in the archives it's very old. Uh, to listen to. Yes. But we still stand by what, what we said in that one. So oldie but a goodie. But let's get into today's episode. Very impactful. Definitely one to... Uh, share with your family and friends because nobody's going to tell you, I have no clue what I'm doing with health insurance. Definitely, if you've got a company Slack, drop this one in the company Slack and they, you know, whatever HR channel and the pizza channel, whatever. Uh, Somewhere people will see it because everyone should know the things that we're talking about in today's episode. And we're talking about it with a friend of mine, Eileen Doherty. You know, you can you can do a podcast for four and a half years and still not be able to find the right guests. We have guests email us every day trying to be on the show. But when you're just trying to find a female health insurance expert, those are much harder to find than I built uh, 11 businesses and made $7 million and sold all my companies. Interview me. <laughs> not a lot of those. Not a lot of female health insurance experts. And then you just turn around at the gym and you're like hearing, I'm Eileen. I've worked in the U.S. healthcare industry for 25 years. I'm an executive vice president at a health insurance payments company. So I am unbiased to networks. And you're like, what? 
she didn't really say that. Around. <laughs> but every I did now say, and then I find the guest that I need, and she was right there waiting for me. Turn right. around at so, the gym. <laughs> I did say I had a podcast. And Eileen was like, oh, I've been on podcasts. And I'm like, oh, oh, what do you talk about? And she's like, health insurance. And I'm like, ah. And so Eileen, not just an expert on health insurance, but also a really cool lady. So let's get into it. Turn around. (laughs) I'm not going to be able to get that one out of my head. Eileen, welcome to the Frugal Friends podcast. We are very excited to have you here to talk about this really dry subject, but hopefully we can we can a- amp it up a little hey, bit. I find it, it exciting. <laughs> <laughs> the pleasure is all mine. It's exciting for me just because I know very little about this topic. So just Mm -hmm. the prospect of learning and giving tangible tips, that's exciting. But, but, you know, we're going to sprinkle it with fun some way, somehow. Gotcha. Yeah. One of the reasons, I mean, one of the reasons we like to interview experts and we like to critique Google articles is (laughs) because when I was a writer, the two topics that I was like, I do not write about these. I'm not an expert are insurance and taxes. Like any type of insurance, please don't make me write about this. I don't know it. And then they would always assign me insurance and tax articles. And I'm like, if they're doing it to me, they're doing it to other people. So be skeptical about what you read on the internet. And like, let's let's talk to you. Let's talk to you. You got a background in this. Let's demystify health signing up for health insurance and using it. So let's talk about what is annual open enrollment um, and why do we have it? Why can you only do this one month a year? Okay, that's a great question. So open enrollment, strictly speaking, right, is the yearly period, usually in the fall, when people can enroll in health insurance plans for the next calendar year. And the reason why it only happens once a year is because most most health insurance plans have annual-based limits, deductibles, and maximums that they've calculated in order to manage the risk for the group of people that they are insuring. And because they're based on an entire year, they can't have people switching plans throughout the year and still manage that risk. It's a unique aspect about the way that health insurance plans are put together that leads to us being only able to enroll once a year. Um, They do allow for other time periods for enrollment, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but they try to keep them to a minimum. The open enrollment period will vary based on your if you have an employer-based health insurance plan, um, and those are normally like around three weeks in November, and most pe- 50% of US uh, of the U.S. population is covered by their employer's health plan. But if you have health insurance, say through the ACA, uh, then the open enrollment runs from November 1st to January 15th. And during that time period, you can go in and elect a new plan that matches your situation, your current situation, as well as possible. And then it will become effective on January 1st in most cases. 
That's the best explanation I have heard <laughs> uh, from anyone. Usually these conversations about open enrollment are being had with other people who don't know why. So maybe that's part of it. <laughs> but we're always just like, and why only once a year? And then it ends yeah. there and we move on frustrated and ignorant. So thank you, Eileen, <laughs> for demystifying that. Oh, like the U.S. health insurance was is weird, right? It was not mm-hmm. like health insurance in the United States was not originally created by health insurers. The very first plan that was ever created back in like the 1940s was put together by Baylor University Hospital for the Dallas Teachers Union. So hospital administrators created a health plan that covered a set of teachers in a local city. And the patients had absolutely no responsibility. So they said, we'll cover everything no matter what for, it was like 50 cents a month or something. And so no matter how much healthcare you needed. Not surprisingly, the very first thing to happen after that happened is that all of the physicians that were in the network immediately raised all of their rates. And that is the beginning of a long pathway that has led us to the crazy place we are today with U.S. health insurance. Thanks, Baylor. (laughs) Thanks, Baylor. Yeah. A bunch of hospital administrators didn't really know how to handle the risk on a health insurance plan, so... Not mm. not totally thinking macro Love level, like <laughs> what's what are the consequences and the pros and cons of this? Well, but here we are. So you did talk about there could be some exceptions to open enrollment. Can you share a little bit about what what that would be, how we might find ourselves in that type of situation? Sure. Um, so for most health insurance plans, whether they be employer-based or if they're government-sponsored, um, you will have an option to, to change your enrollment outside of an open enrollment. Those are generally referred to as special enrollment, and they're based on life events. So if you get married, if you have a baby, if you adopt, if you get divorced, if you start a new job, you have the opportunity to enroll in a new plan. The rules around how much time you have after those events and when that additional person either becomes effective or terminates are plan dependent. So you have to read your plan documents to truly understand when it's actually going to become effective and when the window is for you to make changes. The ACA actually has another exception, which is um, if your income changes dramatically, they give you the option to um, modify your plan during that time period as well. Hmm. Which it's, it's good to know that it kind of stinks because when you have those opportunities for special enrollment, those are the times where the last thing on your mind <laughs> is health insurance. And you do only have a certain amount of time to to like change that if you need to. So kind of maybe checking with your uh, health insurance plan to see when that is, um, is always just a good idea. Just kind of be familiar. I mean, I know it's boring, but reading your plan document is important part Mm -hmm. of being, um, of owning a health insurance plan. And I mean, health insurance is becoming, I think the fifth largest outgoing cost for an American household today. Mm -hmm. So since, and that's not always been the case, but patient responsibility has been continuously rising for decades. That is the portion that is paid by the patient um, on their health plan. And because of that, it's becoming more and more important for health, for health insured 
people to become educated about their health plan. But the reality is that the health insurance literacy in the United States is very low. And that's not surprising because it's super complicated. It is a complicated insurance plan. A lot of people don't understand how to use it. And most of the time, unless you have a chronic illness, you're not using it more than three or four times a year. So it is something that it people don't have a lot of motivation to become experts at until they really need to. And unfortunately, that is often past the time they've already made the choice about their health plan. So... Mm. So, so true. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just know it to be true anecdotally. You know, sometimes it's in the back of my head, like I really should make sure that I've got the right type of plan and coverage. But it's like, yeah, I rarely go to the doctor. So it's not front of mind. But I do sometimes feel like I'm playing with fire a bit with the current plan that I have. Mm-hmm. Oh, this reminds yeah, me of right before um, the hurricane last week, I asked my homeowner's insurance broker to send me a copy of both my policies. And I was shocked that I chose because me back when I was buying my house, I chose the highest hur- named hurricane deductible. Right. And it was too yeah. late at that point. By the time point they mm-hmm. have a named storm in your area, you can't rebind your contract. That's sort of what this is like. You know, <laughs> you're you're invincible until you're not. And then you mm-hmm. are reliant on your health plan that you chose a year ago when you thought you were never gonna get sick. Yes. Yeah. So that leads us into our our first of the two questions that are gonna be the meat of this episode. So first is when I okay, say I have insurance through my employer. It's it's what I got. It's what I chose when I got employed. When should I like change? What yeah. would prompt me to change that? Because it's much easier for me to just ig- not, to just ignore it. So why should I change it and when? That is, that's a key question for sure. So the most important thing to think about every year when open enrollment comes up is how has your life changed, right? There is a whole group of people that when we were debating about the Affordable Care Act um, in the early 2000s, uh, we called them the young invincibles, the 20-something-year-olds. So are you single and under 30? The chances are that the amount of healthcare usage you have is very low, except in some extreme situations. So you would want a certain type of plan. But at some point, you're going to possibly get married, want to start a family and start working towards developing a foundation for that. And not every plan has great fertility coverage or um, coverage for having a baby. Uh, And you need to make sure that those things are well covered in a plan as your family begins to grow and mature. Also, if you have started to encounter healthcare issues um, that have increased your overall healthcare coverage, you may want to increase um, the healthcare coverage that you receive. Once you've reached the point where you're a family of six with a bunch of young kids and you have a ton of preventative care that needs to be done, um, it's important to make that as easy as possible. And then as you continue to mature and grow, you're going to find that you'll encounter um, you know, higher risk areas uh, based on your genetic background. As your children begin to move off to college, you'll be wanting to look for plans that may cover them until they're 26. And uh, you'll start to look at what type of networks are available as you grow older into your sunshine years and are needing a set of doctors that can handle um, managing your care as you grow older. 
So age, family composition, um, that general demographics are things that you have to consider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it almost sounds like every year we would need to reevaluate if what we're using still works. Interesting that this comes up every year. (laughs) Well, not surprisingly, um, something like 70% 70 of Americans don't choose the right healthcare coverage for their current situation, um, according to recent studies. But, you know, one of the things like deciding what that coverage is, is then then becomes like a math equation. And who wants to go back to doing math? Like, I mean, I have a spreadsheet that I use, um, but it's it can get really complicated. And the reason is this. Right. So the majority of Americans still make their decision for their health plan based on premium. Um, What am I paying monthly just to get in the door on my health insurance? They look at premiums. They say that one's 200 and this one is 300. 300 is obviously worse. I'll pick the $200 plan. That's probably like 40, 50% of Americans. Healthcare literacy, health insurance literacy is growing though. So more people are starting to make their decisions based on deductible, right? Deductible is this other concept. It is the amount of money you have to pay out of pocket before your health insurance kicks in in the year. And those health insurance deductibles have been getting higher and higher every year. And now most Americans that are on employer-based insurance are on a high deductible healthcare plan today. So you've got this premium and deductible. So a lot of Americans have started to choose the lower deductible, right? So they'll say, oh man, it's $5,000 for my family is a lot of money. I'd never be able to pay that. Should I have an emergency? So I'm going to choose the $2,500 deductible. The problem with making that choice is that sometimes you're choosing a lower deductible, but ending up with a higher premium. And the total amount you're paying in premiums throughout the year is more than what you bought down in deductible. And many people don't make that, they don't add that up in their head. So they feel like they're covering themselves better, but actually they're paying more out of pocket monthly in order to de-risk the plan. So that's something to consider. Mm-hmm. Another thing to consider is that most, most plans today don't end a deductible. Um, once you've hit your deductible, either for your family or for individuals, you have to pay something called coinsurance. Um, on many plans, that coinsurance is 80-20 or 90-10 up to a certain maximum. What that means is that you still pay 20% or 10% until you reach a maximum dollar amount. Many people don't realize that there's that additional money on the end tail end there. So they'll pick a lower deductible and end up with an 80-20 plan, which actually over the entire cost of the year, if you max it out, is more expensive than if they had chosen a 90-10 plan. So as you can see, this kind of stuff gets really complicated. There's also additional things out there um, that you need to consider when looking for a plan. My personal favorite is the one that everyone overlooks, which is the quality of the network. Mm -hmm. So one thing that most people don't realize is that there's these big health insurance plans out there that we call them the BUCAs, Blue Cross, United, Cigna, Aetna. And they have the best networks and they sell their networks to other health insurance plans to use. Since they have the biggest networks, they have the biggest ability to negotiate down rates as well on the allowed amounts. So if you have a United plan, you're starting at a lower dollar amount for that service than somebody else's who might be on what they thought was a cheaper plan with a worse network. Mm, Something a lot of people don't consider. Golly. How can you tell the difference between a good network and a not so good network? Or maybe even like, where is my doctor? Where do I want my doctor to be like? So always start with exactly what you just said, right? Start with my doctor. 
right? Who are all okay. the doctors that my family uses? And if you're looking at a new plan, check to make sure all those doctors are in network. A lot of times people don't even take that step. And once they've moved into the new plan, they now have to get all new doctors, which is a big hassle and can affect your continuity of care. And then you wouldn't get the same amount of the same quality of care in that year that you would expect. Yeah, then the next step is there are provider network directories all over the internet. They're required to publish them. You can go and type in your city and see how big the network is and how comprehensive. Do I recognize all those doctors? Is there only one psychiatrist in my entire 100-mile area? Um, and you can get an idea for the depth of the network. Of course, if you hear the names Blue Cross, United, Sigma, and Aetna, like, it's going to be a big, comprehensive, well-negotiated network. My favorite part about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity when I'm like, wow, I can finally think clearly. How was I functioning in that mess before? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. If this sounds like the type of spring cleaning your finances need right now, then it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash frugal. That's mintmobile.com slash frugal. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash frugal. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. Hmm. Hmm. This might be adjacent to what you've already said, and, and maybe you've covered it already. But if if I'm in a position where I've decided I, I do want to relook at this and maybe I do need to make a change, are there any things that you would say kind of in general, these are the most important things to be looking at when choosing health coverage? Yes. So I, I think a lot of times people focus on the dollars and that is important. Like I, I think it is um, a key feature, um, but here are a couple other things you might want to consider. So again, the network for me is a really big one because United negotiated discounts are significantly bigger than a lot than, um, than say a smaller um, self-funded plans negotiated discounts would be. But 
You should also be taking a look at the plan documents, which are always available as part of the open enrollment walkthroughs to look at plan exclusions and any plan maximums that are on the plan, right? So it's very common for um, certain things that you may be wanting in the period in life that you're in to be excluded, like fertility treatments. Um, that's a big exclusion. Um, and sometimes that is a really important part of what you need. Also, certain types of diabetes treatments, certain types of uh, drugs that you may be wanting for mental health. There was a big uh, legislation that just passed in the last couple of years um, for mental health parity, requiring that mental health coverage be equivalent to medical coverage on all plans that are covered by the ACA, but not necessarily on employer-based plans. So it's important to pay attention to mental health coverage. Another thing that I think it's really interesting um, to consider is the maximums. Most state laws and federal law prevent um, full healthcare coverage plans from putting like an annual or a lifetime maximum on their benefit. But if you happen to be um, trying to purchase a plan yourself, be on the lookout for something that they call junk plans or short, short-term plans in the marketplace. They look too good to be true. And oftentimes they really are. They will put uh, maximums on things like surgical benefits. I've seen one as low as like $4,000 a year for your total surgical maximum. And I can promise you, you can't have surgery anywhere in the United States on anything <laughs> for $4,000. I mean, my appendectomy was $36,000 10 years ago. So that's you know not going to cover you for anything. So those are the things that I think I would be on the lookout for. I also am a huge proponent of health savings account and HRA um, add-ons to high deductible health plans. It's a great way for you to save money and have a higher deductible without having the health plan try and save for you in premiums. Mm, yeah, that's. Um, I love HSAs too. For people who aren't familiar, an HSA is only you can only get it with a high deductible healthcare plan, but after usually around two thousand dollars that you put in. It, you can invest the rest and you can use it just like a retirement account, which is great. And it's tax free on all med like all qualified medical expenses. So it's great. We did. We I wanted to ask you about this because we had somebody in our group asking about. So she was diagnosed with a some kind of healthcare thing and anticipated some medical costs rising. But she loves her HSA. And so she was she was contemplating, do I go to the lower deductible plan because I do expect rising medical costs or do I hold to my HSA and keep investing there, maybe use the funds there because she didn't know like how much this new thing would cost is brand new. So like any advice for maybe somebody kind of dealing with with that in general being like, I might have to go to the like, I might have some medical stuff this year, uh, but I really love my HSA. Any deciding factors? I'm a strong proponent of self-insuring whenever possible. I mean, and the ability to, I, I strongly believe most people should push the deductible as high as they can manage um, and lower their premium and then just self-save the remaining money in an HSA if they have that available to them. I, I'm not as big of a proponent of HRAs, but um, because that money is then owned by the employer and not by you. But like you said, the HSA is money that you can roll over, you can invest it, 
if the market's doing well, that money um, could really be worth even more. It's also tax-free and a great way for you to continue to build your own like way to de-risk your healthcare. However, if you really feel like you're going to have increasing needs in um, health services, I think it makes a lot of sense to look for a more comprehensive plan Mm -hmm. and pay the extra money to get more benefits. Yeah. I mean, and you're only restricted really for a year for whatever plan you have. So if you choose wrong, you can always change it the next year too. Yes, absolutely. And there's a good reason for adding more to that emergency savings. Mm -hmm. Is the HRA the same as FSA or are those different? So um, flexible spending accounts are a little bit different. Um, They normally cover like dependent daycare um, and they do sometimes have like health insurance coverage, but usually those are rolled into an HRA. An HRA differs from an HSA in the fact that an HRA is an employer-owned account that the employer um, puts money in and the employee can also submit money, but that money is owned by the employer. And when the employee leaves, that money is retained by the employer. And if it's not used in the year, it also is still retained by the employer. Um, So it's a benefit and it's something that employers do to offset employee risk. Um, So it is a good option, but it's not an employee's, it's not the employee's money and it doesn't have cash value. Yuck. Okay. But both of them can be used to pay for qualified health expenses. Cool. And there's a lot of qualified medical expenses. A lot. Almost anything you could get at CVS. Almost anything. Yes, absolutely. And I I actually used my HSA to pay for my uh, child's uh, travel back from college to go to a health appointment. Wow. So, And that was validly covered. Yes. So your HSA yeah. has a lot of flexibility around what it can cover to support um, your health insurance needs and healthcare needs. Helpful. And you don't have to pull those funds out immediately. You can wait and let it grow if you don't need it. Like I've saved with Kai all of my um, everything I paid for that pregnancy that I you know got a bill and paid for and have an itemized receipt for whenever I want. I can take that money out of my HSA and submit that receipt whenever. Yeah. So it's great. You can let the stock market pay for your medical treatment. Like, just let it grow, let it pay for it, and then take the money out. I'm just clarifying the that Kai is three years old, and you're saying you could submit for reimbursement from your HSA like three years after giving birth? Yeah, because I had the HSA while, yeah, while I was on that the plan. Yeah, I was just saying you just got to be careful with an HSA when the when the stock market's not doing that great that you're not paying more yeah. in fees than you are earning from the stock market. <laughs> so you do have to watch it. Like when you invest it, if you invest just a few thousand dollars, sometimes the fees end up being more than you're earning. So you'll want to put it pull it mm-hmm. out to cash um, if that yeah. happens. Yeah. Yeah. You always want to, obviously, if you're in a high fee investment account, it sometimes makes more sense to just pull it out sooner. Mine is in very low fee index funds that I have easy access to. So I feel good about it. They're the same funds my retirement accounts are in. So I feel good about that. But okay. So back to open enrollment. Give us like, like, is there a checklist that we can do to like get ready for open enrollment? Any like 
pre-homework that we can do? Well, I mean, just making sure that you understand how much you spent in healthcare for the previous year is important. Mm. A lot of times we lose track of how much that is because the equation is so complicated. But if you have an idea of how much the total charge amounts were for all the services that you um, took on um, throughout the year, at least a rough amount, um, that'll help you to be able to evaluate plans as you're looking at them. The next thing is to ensure that when your employer, if you have your health insurance through your employer, when they publish their open enrollment availability of plans, take the time to read through the options, um, maybe in a little bit more depth than you have in the past. Um, and given what you might you know, have picked up from us talking today, start thinking about what type of plan would make the most sense for your family um, and what you know, financial ability you have to support it. Um, and then lastly, like think about what your family is going to be like in the next year or how you want it to be um, so that you're prepared for it. If you have healthcare coverage that doesn't have great obstetrics um, and you're planning to try and have a baby, then you might want to have some thoughts about that when you're going into looking at plan documents. Mm-hmm. Eileen, any final tips on just ways we can maximize this opportunity when it only comes around once a year? How do we get the best possible? My mind's going to go to like the the least expensive for the <laughs> best thing. And you've given us a lot of tips already, but any any final thoughts on how do we maximize this annual opportunity? Well, so make sure you, so healthcare, health insurance literacy is like a particular, like has a particular place in my heart and mind right now. I feel like we are very smart consumers uh, as Americans, but we haven't taken the time to educate ourselves on some basic terms and knowledge about health insurance. And I know why it's not like the forefront of our minds all the time, Um, but as you begin to become a greater consumer of, of healthcare services, it's important to educate yourself on all of those terms. What's a deductible? What's coordination of benefits? Um, What's a copay and why does it matter? And, you know, how are surgical benefits covered and what are possible exclusions? What is an exclusion? Um, that type of information will really arm you as you're heading into the open enrollment season and having to choose what is really a pretty big financial choice for your family in the next year. Do you have any recommendations on like good websites or resources where people could become more health insurance literate? Well, so believe it or not, um, the Affordable Care Act websites are great about explaining a lot of these terms um, because their job was to take a population that didn't have a benefits or HR department and help them become more literate for accepting and um, and identifying an insurance plan for themselves. Um, So I find that the ACA uh, marketplace is a great place to find information. There are also a ton of websites out there which are patient advocacy sites that are all about raising uh, literacy. Um, and there is a, a website called quizify.com that I really love that has a lot of videos um, that helps to raise your, your knowledge level, not just about health insurance, but also about healthcare itself and the different types hmm. of choices that you may have to make. That's amazing. Yeah, because there's so many like add-ons to it. You've got the dependent care FSA or the HRA <laughs> or... Or do we go HSA or multiple high deductible plans? And there's so much. And for the longest time, I think maybe even sometimes still, I still confuse deductible and premium. Like (laughs) I still confuse the two words. Yeah. And you're not the only one. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. 70% I mean, of Americans are still don't yeah. know the like aren't able because why? You only really think about it once a year. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Well, you know what? I think about every week. I never have to be reminded of this terminology. Sometimes multiple so times easy. a week. Multiple times. <laughs> yes, multiple times a week. The, the bill, bill of the week. That's right. It's time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. Eileen, every week we invite our listeners or our guests to share with us their Bill of the Week. And we know you have one for us. So let us let us know it. All right. So I, I I didn't realize this until the very beginning when we started here, but I picked something a little bit boring. Um, so <laughs> I'm not sure because you're going to want to switch me out. Um, People are just going to get more well. bang for their buck on the info yes. on this episode. We're here That's for boring. Exactly That's right. They're going to get something they didn't expect. Yeah. And I'm that weird person that gets super excited about all of this. So I don't even notice that you're bored. Which um, is why you're here. <laughs> but um, I, I, when you said uh, bring in something that's like a bill or an, or bring in a, a bill, I, I thought about um, these explanation of benefits that we always get in the mail after we have a medical service. And they always say, this is not a bill. And I think it's really interesting um, some of the things that can be written on these bills. Um, so I have a friend who also works in the healthcare industry and recently had a baby and she received an explanation of benefits, which is from your health insurer, from your payer, not from your provider, telling you how they adjudicated the claim that your provider sent to them. So your doctor sent them a claim, they adjudicated it. They put together this beautiful display that's super complicated about how they paid the provider so that you can see what you might owe. And she was looking over her explanation of benefits and noticed that her normal healthy delivery, natural childbirth delivery, was coded as a level four emergency. And she didn't understand why. So she called health insurer and she found out that the, the doctor's office that, she, you know, the provider that she had gone to for her delivery, that's how they upcode it to get the higher rate associated with a level four emergency childbirth. And they do it for everybody. And oh my goodness. <laughs> so welcome to the U.S. healthcare system. And of course, the insurer had um, missed it um, and they went back and re-adjudicated the claim which caused uh, you know, a lot of headache for her because then the, the provider tried to balance bill, the remainder to the patient, and then she had to involve her insurer again. So I thought that might be a little interesting tidbit about <laughs> not a bill. So sometimes oh, a little yeah, knowledge can is. actually hurt you rather than help you. That's <laughs> not boring, Eileen. Yeah. I'm fired up over here. Balance That's billing is fraud. something that we don't talk about. That is, yeah, Golly. is also... Stupid. It's not a bill, but it is a headache. It can be. Holy smokes! I have so I have a bill from my uh, first birth, 
that it's like a hundred and something dollars. And I was switching insurance because I was part of a layoff eight weeks before I gave birth. So I was switching from my insurance, which was my coverage, to my husband's insurance and had something very close of appointment, some blood work or something very close to the switch. And so they submitted it to both or or the wrong one and they rejected it. And they are they have me in like collections for this thing that should be covered by insurance that is covered by insurance, but they just can't figure out Mm -mm. who it's covered by. And I was like, I can Mm -mm. tell you who it's covered by if you tell me the date. And so they just haven't, it's not their priority and they don't care about me. So every time I call, they're like, you know, you have something in collections with us. And I'm like, no, I don't. It's so just, interesting that you say that, enough. that it's, that you talk about it like that, because um, this, this is something that we in the industry are really interested in right now. Like the experience of healthcare payments from the patient or member's point of view is so negative that we don't even know where to begin to improve the process, either providers or health insurers. I would have to call every single day to that office to make them care enough to to do something about this. And I don't have the time. I mean, think think about when you have to call an airline twice and how negative your reaction (laughs) is to that. And how much airlines work to try and stop you from having to make those two phone calls. But in the healthcare industry, it's so disparate and there's so many different connection points that we've not been able to create that level of service. And we haven't needed to because until the last two decades, patients weren't really a significant part of the equation. So none of the systems were built to do that. Eileen, I love your this is not a bill. (laughs) This is amazing. This is this is this took quite a turn in this uh, bill of the week segment, and and I am I'm feeling the fire in my belly go. right now. So I'm going to turn it back to our listeners and tell you if you've got a this is not a bill or this is totally a bill or a bill you don't have to pay a bill you do have to pay whatever it is visit frugalfriendspodcast.com/bill leave us your bill. Even if it gets me fired up, it's a good thing. It makes me feel alive. Mm -hmm. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. 
you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Now it's time for the lightning round. round. Pew, pew. So today, in our vulnerable part of the show, (laughs) uh, we are all going to share what's an interesting health insurance experience you had and what did you learn from it? Oh, this is just an extenuation of the Bill of the Week segment, I think. I know, I know. I, I gave no, it away. I love it, Mine, Okay. <laughs> I'll expound on it, though. But so, Eileen, why don't you go first? An interesting health insurance experience you've had and, and what you've learned. It can be yours or somebody you've witnessed. So I'll, tell, I'll tell a positive one in which a weird coincidence of my health plan led to a very positive outcome for me. So right after I got married 10 years ago, like, like literally the week after I woke up with like pains in my lower abdomen, I am the child of a doctor. So I knew immediately I had appendicitis, but I wasn't on my husband's insurance plan. And before that I was, I was running my own business. So I didn't really have insurance. Um, so I was uncovered and I hadn't rolled onto his plan yet. And I went to my doctor and he was like, yep, you have appendicitis. You need to go to the ER. And I was like, well, I'm not on my husband's plan yet. Is there something else you can do? And he was like, no, go to the ER. Um, <laughs> but I was like, uh, well, like I'm going to try to work it out today. And so he gave me these really strong antibiotics and sent me home. Well, like by midday, my husband had mostly sorted everything out and I went ahead and went to the ER and that I had appendicitis. And the next morning I had an appendectomy through the ER. And when it all got sorted out in the end, the way I had been admitted to the ER and the way that they coded it, um, my surgery ended up being an emergency surgery. And on the United Healthcare Plan at that time, they covered it 100%. So even though my appendectomy, which slightly ruptured and became like a really big deal, was like a $70,000 event, I paid $0. And after that happened, that plan realized the flaw of their um, setup and changed the plan for everyone next year. But a bit of knowing, like if you know the details and you know how to work the plan, then you can really do well. That's the lesson. Wow. wow. I mean, you didn't you didn't do that well because you had a partially ruptured appendix. True. I mean, but there was a silver lining. <laughs> that's you're doing just great. great. Now. Yes. Health insurance yeah, wise, right. it was good. Like health wise, that was questionable. Yeah. I get it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yikes. Um, I no longer have an appendix either, Eileen. We're like twins. Oh, buddies. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. That was when I was younger. I, I should ask my parents how the, how that whole insurance thing worked out. But yeah, finding ruptured appendices. I don't know how you say that. It's <laughs> such a traumatic experience for like parents. Like you think your kids just, oh, I have an upset stomach. You always have an upset stomach mm-hmm. when you don't want to eat broccoli or when you don't want to go to bed. <laughs> and then it, that could be a ruptured appendix. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. how do you know the oh, difference? I know a trick, though. So this is not meant to be medical advice. I'm not a doctor. Yeah, sure. Okay. Not a doctor. Um, but 
a lot of the time an appendix can it can be more indicative of an appendix if you have them jump up and down and it hurts worse or oh. if when the, when you push in on it and it hurts worse when you let go and not when you push in that can be an indication of appendicitis. But again, I'm not a doctor, so, so don't, forgot that. don't use that um, as a clinical Not a doctor. Making. This is not a bill. This, this is not a bill. This is only a podcast. <laughs> I'm just a podcast. This is not a podcast. Yeah. I, I'm like an executive at a healthcare payments company. Like, yeah. don't, don't go with what I said, but just like... Well, and this is anecdotal, but for me, I was vomiting a lot. And so <laughs> that's unusual. A lot of throwing like, up You should take like me that. to the doctor. Yeah. 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 Lots of vomit. Um, okay. So I'll expound on mine a smidge. So, uh, so yeah, I'm still like, quote unquote, in collections. It's not like on my credit report. So that's why I'm not like calling every day. They are, quote unquote, working on it. <laughs> but so in that switch, I learned something really interesting. So we were on my works plan because they covered uh, health insurance 100 percent. You didn't get to pick. I mean, there the li- choices were very limited for what you got to pick because they paid for it. I think you had single or family, essentially. And I switched to my husband's plan when we lost that instead of going into COBRA. And I was eight weeks away from my delivery and my bill, my total out of pocket went down. So I had already paid for my entire pregnancy delivery, everything I'd paid in installments. And they sent me a refund, which also makes this like $150 bill like that much more infuriating. I was like, you sent me money back. What? So I think I didn't even realize that the plans could cost different. Like it could be a different cost depending on what your insurer is. So that is something that I would ask my doctor, be like, okay, if I'm on this plan, what is the total package of my pregnancy and delivery going to cost? If I am on this plan, what is it going to cost? I didn't realize it had to do with the network. I didn't realize until you said that at the beginning, I would have never asked my OB, the the billing department, that. But that would have been something to factor in along with monthly premium payments. So like, does it make more sense to pay a, a little bit higher in a premium to get this lower cost for the pregnancy versus paying a lower premium but paying more for the overall care. I didn't even know to think that. So if you are pregnant, there you go. Definitely. Wow. Like those negotiated rates that they have with met with between directory services and providers are very different from insurer mm-hmm. to insurer. And like United can walk into almost any doctor's office and say, for the benefit of being a part of our network, we will offer you a 60, 60% of what you charge to start, right? And a smaller directory would be like, what do we have to give you to be in our network? <laughs> like it's a totally mm-hmm. different <laughs> negotiation, you know? Wow. So, um, you know, you want to be a part of the, you want to be with the bigger, you know, negotiator or get a significant discount on premium um, for a, a less significant, allow, like allowed amount of negotiation. So. Mm. So interesting. Jill? 
Wow. Well, here you go. I have not interacted with health insurance very much. Uh, So I, yeah, I've had a lot of different types of plans. Currently, though, I am on like a medical sharing plan. So it, similar to our bill of the week segment, this is not a bill. What I have technically isn't insurance. It's more of a fail safe. It's a collective. It's good. And mm-hmm. what I've what I've learned in what little interaction I have had in getting quotes for insurance is I gotta fend for myself. I gotta be scrappy. <laughs> and the last appointment that I went to, I mean, I j- I really don't go to the doctor. It's kind of a problem, but it's worked for me so far. And I did have to go to the dermatologist this year. We are not doctors giving medical no, advice. No, no, no. I'm telling you, my, I, this is my 100%. anecdotal. This is my anecdotal personal experience. Don't don't do what I do, or what I say, when it comes to this. <laughs> I did have to go to the dermatologist this year. I did. That felt like I'm caring for myself. I'm actually going to see someone for a concern that I have, but it wasn't in network. So I was just like, I'm self-pay. I'm just going to tell these people I don't have insurance. But I was wondering. I was wondering if they treated you as self-pay with your share. That's mm-hmm. awesome. They did. They did. And I'm going to... And so here's my the lightning round is what what did we learn? So this is kind of like medical insurance adjacent. They did tell me up front what the cost would be just to go in for the visit, but that any minor procedures or care that they provided to me in the exam room would be quoted to me in the exam rooms. I'm like, okay, this is all new. Let's try it out. So I did need to have some procedures done in the exam room. They were like, liggity split. They did it super fast. And they just verbally told me the prices. So I'm sitting here just like, okay, yep, in mentally calculating it, like, yeah, we could do that. We could do that. We could do that. Get out to the front desk and it's a different price. So then I'm standing there, band-aids all over the place, like, uh, that's not what she told me. And they're like, yeah, that's what we told you. So then she had to get the doctor to come back out. And I'm not too proud. Like, yeah, I'll sit here and like fight back with what you told me. But what I learned, so here's the like, if there are any takeaways, if anyone's like me going into the doctor's office, I wish I would have gotten it in writing or like taken a screenshot or something because it felt so arbitrary because she's like, because even like the front desk person was like, oh, well, we can ask, which tells me there might be different prices that they're quoting to different people. So rather than my word against their word, I wish that I would have had them, okay, what's the procedure? What's the price? What's the procedure? What's the price? I And I didn't get it in writing. And the good news is, is that that is federally mandated, required as of January of this year for all self-pay patients. They have to provide you with what's called a good faith estimate before the service. Um, That was covered by the No Surprises Act and was mandated into federal law in January. So from now on, if you're a self-pay patient, um, you should be receiving a good faith estimate from all providers for any scheduled appointment that's scheduled um, longer than three days away from today's date. Yeah. And again, she told me like before I said yes to each procedure, she told me a price. It's just my recollection of what she told me, which I feel like I would be the more accurate one in that situation because I'm the one paying it out of pocket and calculating it in my head right there on the table. Mm -hmm. 
So that was a bummer. <laughs> but I think being a self-pay patient is an interesting space to be in in healthcare right now. Yeah. Um, you can't really see yeah. a doctor that takes care Kaid because they have most favored nation clauses in their contracts with them. But there's a lot of really great spaces where you can self-negotiate. I think that's incredible. That's good that you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, it was reasonable at the end of the day, like it, but that's my like next time I go, I'm going to get them. We're not doing it verbal. You're putting it in writing for me. I ain't yeah. no dummy. I learned just, just use the word good faith estimate and they were, are required to provide it for you. <laughs> I love Thanks, that. Eileen. Yeah. Well, Eileen, thank you so much. Uh, if anybody wants more health insurance literacy or more from you, where would you direct them? Um, so I have a LinkedIn page uh, with my name, Eileen Doherty. Um, you can tell that it's me um, because it's got my picture on it. But I also have a blog called Eileen.Healthcare and an email address. You can contact me through that uh, blog if you'd like to. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much, Eileen. This has been very informative. I have written things down because <laughs> I'm going to need uh, to do some reevaluating on our health insurance this year. So I'm very, very glad that we had this interview. It was entirely my pleasure. Thank you. Oh, riveting. Right, yes. Jill? I'm so glad you turned around at the gym and saw Eileen standing there with all the answers to your healthcare insurance needs and wants mm-hmm. from a friendly face right here in St. Petersburg, Florida. Yeah, this is definitely this is a question I had. And I wanted answered. And that's why yeah. we did this. This is the episode nobody asked for. But <laughs> everybody's getting because I had the question. We don't shy away from boring, complicated topics. You'll learn this about us. Yeah. And, and we'll still laugh. We'll have a few laughs along the way. But yes, I, I needed this too. So, you know, yeah. we give ourselves what we need, not what we want sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't shy away from the topics that you didn't ask for. <laughs> So thanks for listening to them. Um, Many of you know that in addition to two episodes a week, we also have a private community for listeners specifically trying to pay off debt. If that's your one goal right now, uh, we have a membership where we do monthly money challenges to keep you engaged and moving forward with your debt payoff. And we want to congratulate one of our members for a big win. This is from Susan. And this is from when we did the values-based spending challenge back in September. She says, just thinking about my values with every purchase was so helpful. I did the challenge during the last seven days of September, and I didn't actually make very many purchases, but I thought about this every time. It's a very different mindset for me and a real game changer. One of my values is work. I really love my job and I've been working a lot of hours the last couple of weeks on a special project. So I decided to use a grocery delivery service for the week and spend a little extra so I could focus on working without needing to go to the store which always takes longer than I think it should. Since I combined that with a strong meal plan, I may have even saved a little because I didn't make any impulse purchases because I wasn't at the store looking at all the things. So Mm. congrats, Susan. That is a very 
great benefit. And that is something even from my mom. She doesn't listen to the show, but I told I gave her this recommendation once. And she's like, I must have saved 20 bucks by doing this because I avoided the $20 in impulse purchases I make every time I go to the mm-hmm. store. And I was like, Mom, so if true. you have a problem with impulse spending, I have a podcast for you. <laughs> Turn around, Mom. <laughs> Listen to the frugal friends. <laughs> yeah. So if you or your mom has a problem with impulse spending um, and is trying to pay off debt... Then head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash club uh, to see what else we offer in the Frugal Friends Club. See y'all next time. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. My mind is just on insurance and medical costs right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how angering it all can be. That's one of the reasons, too, why I think I don't, I'm not as literate in this topic as I could be, is because even as literate as you can become, it can feel as though... There's still so much work to be done just fighting these mm-hmm. these issues. It's like it's not a well-oiled machine that we're dealing with and just, you know, understand how to add and subtract numbers. It's so complicated and then there's so much fraud and indecency yeah. and headache and phone calls and it, it just it, it feels a little bit like debilitating. It does. Yeah, it is unjust. And I think a lot of I mean, sometimes when we're dealing with an unjust system, we can just throw up our hands and say, well, I can't change mm-hmm. it. So I don't know enough or I don't have enough skill to come out on top. So we just don't try and so that's like the goal with these episodes is just to give you a little more knowledge, a little more confidence and a little more boldness. Yeah. To try. Yeah. And I do, like I feel the same way even yeah. after years of, you know, being in personal finance, writing about insurance, like yeah. hearing experts like this talk about it like it still feels debilitating because then it comes into time mm-hmm. that I just don't have. It was super affirming for me to hear Eileen talk about it. we might be better off with the higher deductible and the lower monthly premium, I think, because that's my circumstance right now. And I, I kind of always feel like, oh, am I making like the juvenile decision thinking nothing bad's going to happen to me? Although I do have that deductible saved. Mm-hmm. as part of my emergency funds. So and so it's just affirming I think that's one major takeaway from from me cuz I've had that thought like well I pay much higher each month to get a lower deductible but at the end of the day like I might be spending more 
Yeah. Not actually saving anything. And that's only if there's a, a massive catastrophe. So I I think that helps too to know, okay, be as armed and ready as possible, but also smart about what's going to be best for you individually, knowing that it's not a perfect system. Yeah. It's it's not perfect, but it's our system. It's what we've got. Um so so take advantage of it as as well as you can. So I think that's kind of the moral. And you know what? All of those negotiating phone calls that we do in other aspects of our life will only serve us well for fighting these battles of medical costs and insurance mm-hmm. coverages. And you know what? I think there's a part of me that needs to shift my perspective to oh, this is such a hassle, I don't have time for this, to this is a part of life. Like I will probably monthly find myself in some sort of back and forth phone call, whether it's negotiating something, writing something, giving accurate information for something that was inaccurate. I think it's just that is a part of being alive. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Well, is that see you later? My version of a pep talk. <laughs> Welcome to life. Cool. This cool. isn't a podcast. It's real life. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks. Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.